We're all familiar with Romans 8.28, but I wanted to go ahead and read 8.28 through 39 uh, this morning before we hit the road. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. These he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, we're mostly familiar with Romans 8.28 because we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and uh, and are called according to his purpose. Um, this is a very comforting passage. Uh, I often remind people to make sure they take a look in their Bibles every now and then when they're going through a hard time just to make sure they remember that it's there. Um, and, uh, and it's a good, comforting passage to be reminded of regularly. I would say, though, that uh, on occasion we may look at that passage sort of in isolation and lose sight of the overall scope of what uh, Paul is really saying. And of course, Paul, uh, when I say Paul, what I mean is the Holy Spirit through Paul. Um, all things work together for good. Um, and we know this is true. That's an important element that starts the passage. For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes the reason we struggle with that is because it doesn't appear as though the things that are going on in our lives are necessarily good. Uh, they seem difficult, they seem hard, and therefore the definition that we ascribe to them is generally, or the term we ascribe to them is generally, well, that's bad because it's it hurts, it's painful, uh, it brings loss uh, or something like that. Um, when we read the passage in its entire context, uh, we realize that while on the one hand, certainly, um, there is an immediate element to this. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That is true in the immediate sense, but it's also true in the ultimate sense. Uh, in other words, there is something that God is working out beyond just the moment, something he's working out all down the road that ultimately culminates in our glorification. And then there's the, the assurance uh, that Paul goes on to share that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But that comes after... Um, a lot of other information in that passage that talks about things that he's doing. Uh, we're we're uh, killed all day long. We we uh, you know all the adversity that is mentioned there that uh, is common to the life of the believer. How can these things be considered good? Well, this is an important thing. This is a really important thing for us to understand. And I, I would suggest that this is one of those areas um, that many many believers never quite move past. The idea that if it hurts or it's painful, I have a hard time accepting that it could be good or from God. It must be from the devil or it must be 
something that, um, you know, uh, God, um, he may have a purpose in it for now, but I know that this isn't really good in itself and that kind of thing. Well, we want to be a little careful about how we define the idea of good. Uh, from our human perspective, again, most of the time we would define good as something that is, um, you know, pleasurable or something that brings gain in some way that is tangible, that, you know, uh, makes us happy in the moment or something. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that there is a lot to be gained regarding the suffering that we go through. Uh, it's important to know that God never wastes any time in our lives. He doesn't frivolously just lead us through things uh, sort of carelessly uh, where we experience difficulty or hardship or pain or suffering uh, that he doesn't have a very specific intentional purpose in. And that's not just sort of a, you know, uh, intended to be sort of a trite concept to put out there um, when we think about some of the worst sufferings to recognize that two things really number one that God has a purpose in it but that God is always good all the time in other words when he chooses to bring us through something or he allows something in our lives or he brings us through a path that he knows is going to bring a measure of suffering or difficulty we need to remember in that moment that God is good all the time there is uh, there is no exception to that rule. There's no point in which God sort of becomes less good for a moment in order to accomplish a certain purpose. Everything he does is good and just and right all the time. There's, there's, there's no accusation that can truly be brought against God. It's just that we don't always recognize what he might be doing. And this is where trust comes in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm totally fine using the word faith, but unfortunately the word faith uh, has been so uh, often watered down and uh, misused and, and uh, misunderstood, really. Maybe not misused, but misunderstood. Um, so I, I like to use the word trust because faith really is about trusting the one who you've put your faith in. And so for us to understand from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed that everything that happens in our lives, uh, which is filtered through the grid of God's grace and goodness and purpose, um, is 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 rooted in the idea that he is good and he never ceases to be good we may in a moment of weakness and struggling accuse him of not being good or of thinking in this moment he doesn't love me well that's part of why paul says nothing will separate us from the love of god in christ jesus we have no reason as as, as believers that, that we should ever wonder if god loves us we know he does and nothing will ever separate us from that uh, no matter height, depth, width, breadth, uh, principalities and powers even, spiritual entities in the heavenlies, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so there's an assurance and a rest that comes in that, but there's also a very important theological truth that, that comes to bear in that, and that is that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And at the beginning of that passage, that all things work together for his good, ultimately. All things work together for good, but we want to make sure we understand that there is an ultimate good that's at play, that's at work, and that is ultimately um, uh, in process of being accomplished. It's not just our good, it is the good, it is his good ultimately that is being accomplished in us. And this is where growth really comes in. Uh, because, you know, Sunday we uh, we talked about a passage in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10, where Paul talks about being buffeted by an angel, a messenger of Satan, 
Uh, three times he prays to the Lord that he might deliver him from it. But the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, no, Paul, I'm not going to take this from you. I'm not going to end this, uh, this, this difficulty you're going through, even though it is buffeting you. This, this angel of Satan is attacking him in some form. We don't have any elaborate explanation of what that, what form that took. But Paul recognized it for what it was, and he prayed three times, which to me means he was very serious about it. This wasn't a light thing. And when Jesus said, no, I'm not going to take this from you, but instead I'm going to demonstrate my grace and its sufficiency in your lives, and you're going to experience that, and also that my strength is made perfect in that weakness. In other words, when you are weak, as Paul would go on to say, then you are strong. Well, Paul, in response to that, and this is something that staggers me sometimes when I think about the level of... Uh, the level of maturity in this, the level of acceptance of his place and the purposes of God and his desire to be in that place as an instrument used by God. He says, well, then therefore I will rejoice in my sufferings and in such. Um, you know, in other words, if I know this brings you glory, then I am completely okay with what you bring me through. That's a really, that, that's a game-changing mindset and attitude to take, and it's not an easy one. Uh, to embrace, and it takes time to grow into. Uh, for most of us, you know, we, we again, we tend to define good a certain way, but when we realize that God is good all the time and that nothing ever changes about that truth, and that he therefore then brings us through difficult times that he might be glorified, one of the things he's working out in us is a desire to see him glorified, and then therefore a willingness to allow him to, to do whatever is necessary to be glorified even if it costs us something to glorify him. Um, I've been a pastor now for a long time, and uh, um, I, you know, recognize that um, knowing God doesn't always, or serving God, I should say, doesn't always mean what I think it means. To me, this is serving God. To me, um, we're going on a mission trip soon. That's serving God. Um, but the idea of being at his service to the point where if, like Job, I'm called to sort of take on the attitude, should I only receive good from God and not evil? Um, and of course, he's not accusing God of being evil. But he's saying like adversity, wrongness, things that are difficult and hard. Um, should I only accept things that I define as good and not necessarily the other stuff that stretches me but yet gives him glory? It's a rhetorical question because, of course, the answer is, yes, I should be willing to. Well, that's that's in the service of God, too, because in the end, serving God means bringing him glory. And so whether it's hands on the plow in some literal sense or whether it is going through a crushing time of adversity that he might be glorified, then as I grow in maturity, I become more willing to surrender to that and to give myself over to his purposes in that way. And again, this is where trust, faith comes in because sometimes we struggle with how God could see this as being good. And sometimes uh, there is an immediate impact of what's going on, but sometimes it's something that he's doing in the long run that in this moment requires this of us. And I want to be willing to say, okay, well, if that's what it requires and that's what I'm willing to give. This is the this is the response to a God who has demonstrated um, inexpressible grace to me. Uh, this is the response to a God who has demonstrated love to me 
and faithfulness and goodness, again, grace, uh, who has shown mercy to me, who is not worthy of the least of his mercies, but yet for some reason has counted me worthy to be in the ministry and has counted you worthy to be in the ministry, whatever form that may take. Um, this is something that, again, is very difficult for us. But in the passage in Romans, uh, it becomes important, and, and the passage is something we struggle with if we don't take on the mindset we're talking about. Because again, when we're struck with adversity, we look at this verse and say, well, this doesn't line up. But in fact, it does, because God is doing something that is profound and beyond our finding out so often, I'm sure. But even in the moment, he's doing something in us as he allows this to happen to us. He's growing us to maturity. For example, uh, you know, James would say, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the, the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you might be mature, complete, lacking nothing. Um, and so there is wisdom in recognizing that good is not defined on my terms or from my perspective or by my circumstances, but rather again, good is defined by the one who is doing or, or letting this happen in my life and the purposes that he will accomplish because he can do nothing but good. And so I, 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 this is one of those ideas and concepts that again, we wrestle with a lot. Um, and I'm gonna bring this in for a landing here now, but this is one of those things that we struggle with and wrestle with because um, this is something that we, we don't like pain, frankly. You know, we uh, we don't like to suffer. We don't like loss. We don't like, oftentimes, the cost of taking up our cross and following after Him. And then on top of that, there are also lots of you know people that will teach you the exact opposite of what we're talking about. And frankly, what Paul's talking about uh, in both Romans and in that passage in Second Corinthians, there are those that will teach you that you should never be sick, that you should never suffer, that you should never uh, experience you know uh, hardship or lack or anything like that. But the truth of the matter is, is that God often does his best work in those times of suffering. Um, I mentioned Job a moment ago. You know, Job is somebody who stands as an example because of the incredible uh, hardship he experienced at the hand of Satan, whom God allowed to test him this way. Uh, God, of course, knew the outcome of this, but he allowed Job to be tested this way by none less than Satan himself so that he might be glorified and so that Job might grow in his own faith and understanding and relationship with God. And it's interesting, and this is a, a, a good insight to sort of meditate on as well. When, when, when the, the, the trials and testings of Job were over, uh, at the end of the day, when Job is wondering why this is happening to him, God never explains why. In other words, God never really answers Job. God doesn't give Job an answer except to demonstrate that God himself is the answer. In other words, Job, you just simply need to trust me because you're not who I am. You know, my ways, as Isaiah would say, are much higher and loftier than your ways, right? So to be able to recognize the foundational truth of the goodness and faithfulness and consistency of God, there's nothing about God that ever changes. Behold, I am the Lord, I change not. There's nothing about God that changes. He's immutable in all of his characteristics. Uh, in his nature, in all of its, its depth and such. And so, bring these things into your thinking and let them sink deeply into your heart. This is the value of, of contemplating the Word of God. And when I use the word contemplate, I don't mean it in the weird New Agey way. 
I mean it in the in the way uh, that speaks of, of of spending time studying and meditating on and learning and digesting the Word of God. This is an important thing for us to spend time on and to delve into because the lessons are profound and deeply important. So let me leave that with you, I guess, right there. and just invite you to pray on that truth and just that we would ask God to help us understand uh, deeply what is not just the height, depth, breadth, and such of his love, but to what extent I might be called upon to glorify him. And am I willing to do that? Am I willing to recognize his goodness and grace in the process and all of the various lessons that will come from this? So, Father, help us. And we just pray that you would train us and help us to understand the value of going through even the difficult things that you might bring our way, knowing that you are good. That's a truth that never changes. That's a reality that never is altered in any way, shape, or form. We thank you that you are immutable, that you change not. And therefore, we can always trust in your consistent goodness. And Father, we also thank you that you're eternally wise. And that at the end of the day, the best thing we could ever be used for is to turn people's attention to you and for them to see your grace, love, faithfulness in us and in the way that you carry us through things that we go through. Life is full of difficulty and all people experience it. Uh, your believers, obviously, your children are not exempt from this. And so we just pray that, Father, you'd help us to recognize that there is something to be said about availing ourselves to your purposes even when they're hard. So help us when we do and we find that they are hard, that we would recognize that all things are indeed working together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And that's true both now, but also in the long run, in eternity and even in the final purposes that you're working out here in our midst in this life as we go through it. So thank you, Father, again, for all that you show us and teach us in your word. And we pray that you would help us as we take up our cross and follow after Jesus to truly be willing to die to self. Uh, as that image is intended to convey. Help us to be willing to um, to even rejoice when we go through various trials, knowing that this is building in us a deeper relationship with you and a, a stronger uh, uh, sense of maturity and such and growth. So, Father, we just commend ourselves to you, and we pray that you would alter our thinking, help our thinking, increase in uh, our faith, and, and, and help us just to be ready for those things that come and not to cave when the difficulties take place, but rather instead to see this as being from you and something that you're being glorified through and you're building us through. So thank you, Father. We love you and we praise you and bless you in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'll catch up with you next time, but until then, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you and give you peace forever. Amen.